Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud takes at soothing decibels. I am your host, Maxwell Lewis Sanders, and this is episode 101. For those new listeners out there, Max Volume is a podcast that worships at the altar of pop culture, a place where the silly and the name are of the utmost importance. It's a pod where we discuss heavy topics like Paul Dano's chin, Billy Zapka's athleticism, and Eric Barber's hair. No quote too minor, no side plot too small. This is a pod for the TV geeks and movie freaks. So welcome all weary travelers. Your boredom ends here. No observations today because we have Andrew Steppen in the house. Hello, Andrew. Max, Max, if, if you're going to lead people, you have to lead them somewhere to go. <laughs> God, okay, you're already quoting. You're already quoting the movie. We were talking yeah. about what it is. Uh, I guess if they know the episode because they can see it on the. Uh, I mean, they click on it. They know that this is going to be. About, yeah, it's about Rumblefish, 1983's good movie question mark did we understand it should we understand it we'll get into it (laughs) so as you know i'm on an 80s kick because i have an 80s movie podcast that i'm trying to make into a career this is fun like if this takes off and this actually ends up being my career that would be the funniest thing ever like me and you just end up being will bomb and uh kornheiser or something like that that'd be fantastic am i kornheiser no i'd be kornheiser i'm this curmudgeon jewish guy yeah. Although I'm also more bald than you too. So I don't know. We'd both be Kornheiser? Question mark? You'd be Shannon Sharp. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> okay, but anyways, so on an 80s kick, watching all these 80s movies, I saw this movie as like it looked like a cast that it couldn't go wrong. It was like it was just so loaded and it looked exciting. And I didn't even know it was directed by Francis Ford Coppola, but that's another bonus too. And we watched it, and Andrew, how did you feel? I don't even know how to say how I feel. I, there it is, yeah. It's just, it's so different. But you're right, the cast. I mean, we can get into the cast, but I looked at the cast, and every single name is a huge star. Yeah, I suggested this movie, and I got, usually you respond in five seconds, either, huh, I don't know, or like, yeah, let's do it. And you go, holy moly, the cast. And I was like, yeah, I know, right? So, so we, were, we were supposed to do Bringing Out the Dead. Yes, the uh, Martin, Martin, 90s movie yes um so this was this was a huge uh i guess curveball was it i mean it's nick cage i mean actually it's light nick cage this is like diet coke nick cage you don't get much of them well this this is our first uh nick cage where he's not the lead oh yeah you're right i feel weird about that well I mean, he has some moments he has some moments in it struck he was supporting not the lead yeah great hair though and he got the girl in the end he did yeah talk about diane lane too so let's talk about the cast first. So yeah. Nick Cage is a side character, which is crazy to think about. Smokey. Smokey. And we got Matt Dillon kind of leading the pack in this one as, what's his name? I can't remember what his name was. Uh, they say it about 50 times. Rusty James. <laughs> <laughs> they don't explain why they did that either. They're like, you're going to die, Rusty James. And then they'll okay. say his name in the sec- next second, next next sentence. It just doesn't make sense. Wanna, I'm just going to call you Max Sanders the rest of the podcast. All right, Andrew Stefan. That's not going to get annoying, Andrew Stefan. Oh, it was really annoying. <laughs> yes, it was very annoying. Good name, though. It wasn't like Cornelius Roundbottom or something like that. Yeah. Rus- Rusty James is the name. Well, first of all, who is Rusty James? He's a gang leader, kind of, in the 1950s in an undisclosed East Coast town. Yeah, so an up-and-coming that- gang leader trying to uh, take over for his brother, I believe. Yeah, his brother, who has no name. He's the motorcycle kid, the motorcycle boy. Looks like a boy. Yep. Yep, 21-year-old Mickey Rourke. You know what? And I never knew this, but Mickey Rourke was a young person at one point. 
Yeah. I thought he was always old forever. So you didn't know his whole nine and a half weeks, you know, this body heat, young Mickey work at all? Never. So he was like a heartthrob back in the day. He had that whisper voice where he talked like this. You know, Very soft-spoken. Yeah. Actually, uh, the cast, the sound technician on this movie called him Mumblefish because they Mumble. couldn't understand him. Right. <laughs> so did you like his performance as kind of the begrudgingly, like, leader of everybody as the motorcycle boy? Yeah, he had some good lines, um, some good leadership from everyone. Um, nice appearances here and there, trying to save his younger brother. Uh, sad ending, but I, I like Mickey's performance. Yeah, I think he was kind of quiet and understated, and you could understand why people wanted to follow him and why his brother was so desperate to be him, but would never be him. Yeah, and that's kind of what uh, Coppola is going for, um, like the subject matter, younger brother who hero worships his older intellectual superior brother. And I guess that's Francis's relationship with his brother, August Coppola, which is- He's the older brother or August is the older brother? August is the older brother. Really? So Francis, Francis Coppola kind of worshiped his older brother, August, who he dedicated the movie to. Interesting. Which is well, actually Nick Cage's father. No way, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but I think Francis is the big dog in the family. I mean, he eats at the head of the oh, table, right? Sure, this is, you know, what, just three, four years after Apocalypse Now? Yeah, Godfather, Godfather 2. And, and this is the- Godfather? Yeah, and this is the same year as Outsiders, too, which is crazy. I've never seen it. And this it's most the same cast, and it's from the same author, um, S.E. Hilton, right? Yeah, who's a woman, by the way? Do you know that? I, I had no idea until I started reading into this. It's a yeah, isn't that bizarre? I mean, I mean, not, not to, like, you know, how could this sexually kind of be a thing, but she writes these male, you know, characters so well, and there's very little females in it. It just seems like it was written by, like, an Elmore Leonard or someone of a masculine descent, you know? And Francis Coppola did Outsiders too. Um, and it's most of the same cast. Matt Dillon, Diane Lane, Tom Waits. Yeah, but you do also have Patrick Swayze, Rob Lowe, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise sure. Yeah, C. Thomas Howell, Ralph Macchio. As I was reading, Nick Cage actually has a cameo, uncredited cameo in Outsiders. No way, I didn't see that. No. So the Outsiders, it's, it's strange that this is the same author because they have the same problems kind of. It's these movies about kind of gangs and growing up and teen angst, but it's not particularly likable characters and they're not making particularly fun decisions. And it's kind of about the drudgery of life and growing up and not really knowing what to do. And even in this movie, the adults don't know what to do. Hit, hit, uh, Motorcycle Boy and uh, Rusty James's father is just a, as much of a mess as everybody else. I was just gonna say, I think there's only two adults in the entire movie. Yeah, there's the cop and there's- Well, they're the, their father, yeah. yeah. Okay, maybe three. I was going to count Benny from Benny Billiards. Tom Waits is this guy. Yeah, so weird. Every time I see him now, I just think of the Joker. Because it's like he, the Joker basically stole, I mean, uh, Heath Ledger stole his voice, basically. Right. So weird. I didn't realize that. And also you got Lawrence Fishburne. <sighs> Larry Fishburne. This I know. Is, this reminds me of like King of New York, Lawrence Fishburne. Well, that Lawrence Fishburne is my favorite Lawrence Fishburne. When he's ordering like $60 worth of like barbecued chicken in, the, in that random restaurant and getting arrested and going nuts. Yeah, from King of New York? Yeah, or when he yeah. dies and he's like, ah, 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 and he's like shaking like a fish that you put on a boat. So it's good. And this isn't great. This is subdued Lawrence Fishburne. This is not great Lawrence Fishburne, I would say. Well, it's another teaming up with uh, Francis Coppola from Apocalypse Now. That's true. He looks so young in Apocalypse Now, too. So I can tell we don't like this movie because we're like, let's talk <laughs> about movies that are adjacent we're, to this we're movie. We're really trying to avoid this right now. <laughs> so oh. this, the screenplay was actually written in between shooting The Outsiders. In like two weeks, that, right? Yeah, two weeks. 
Um, and I guess on the one of the first personal computers, like a like a home computer. That's neat. And so that doesn't specify if it's going to be good or bad, though, because Aaron Sorkin can turn out a script in like a week. I think John Hughes wrote Weird Science on a weekend. Like these really talented screenwriters can make great scripts in a short time. Did you find this, the dialogue, I mean, maybe they were going for like a Broadway play kind of vibe, but it felt like they were reading lines on stage, right? Yeah, I almost felt like this is something that was made for a film class and that's something you watch in a film class. Right. It's like when, you know, Rusty James gets hit in the head and has an out-of-body experience, he's floating with these kind of very cheesy kind of wires and it's very corny and it's very over the top and it's very kind of in your face. This is a movie and we're, you know, we're making a freaking movie, which I, I enjoy sometimes, but I enjoy when it's fun where they're like, you know what, we're making a movie, sit back and enjoy, not, Hey, we're making a movie. I'm going to make you think this is more important than it is. So they say the script was written in less than two weeks, but it never says how long it took to shoot the film but it had a budget of $10 million. It's probably on all the actors, right? Well, they're younger, but I mean, Dennis Hopper is- They're, you know, star actors right then and there. Dennis Hopper is a big name back then though, you know? And I'm trying to think who else would be like a high paid actor. Yeah, Matt Dillon wasn't really discovered at the time. I think Mickey Rourke wasn't big yet. So yeah, well, I mean, who knows how much they paid for Coppola too. Oh, true. Yeah, because he's, you know, he's the best director on the face of the earth at this point. Well, one of the four. It's him, Spielberg, Lucas, and Scorsese, right? Yep. And De Palma. Those are the five at, the, at that point. The, they had a name. I forget what they were. They would hang out and all. But yeah, so I don't know. Did you think anyone stole the movie? Do you think anyone really like impacted you in a certain way? I thought actually Nick Cage as Smokey wasn't bad. I thought that was kind of the, the high point of the movie. Oddly enough, I liked... Um... Vincent Spano's character, Steve, kind of like the nerdy guy that's walking around with uh, Rusty James writing down his little notebook. Really? I couldn't figure out why he was hanging out with Rusty James. That is one of my questions. Why is he with this group? Don't know. With Rusty James. I have no idea. Makes no sense. It's like, you're blonde, you're nervous, like people are getting stabbed and they're clearly a part of a motorcycle gang. Like, why are you part of this group? And I think he has a transformation from good to bad. Um, kind of like this nerdy guy and at the end he's got his hands all bloody he's lost his glasses he's in the yeah. scandal with them I guess I mean it could be intoxicating I mean you look at you know Diane Lane's character Patty and how she liked Rusty James even though she knew he was no good and like you know you sh- it's kind of that adolescent you're smiling while you know you're doing something wrong like the little sister like Patty's little sister really understood what was going on you know it's like this is a fun ride but I'm just going to take it lightly I mean, are you all right? Yeah. (laughs) I guess, I mean, Steve would want to be part of this group. I mean, you look at those parties they had, you know I mean? Where it was basically just an orgy. It's like, I guess as a teenager who, you know, didn't know his elbow from, you know, a hole in the wall, that'd be pretty cool. (laughs) Like you could probably recruit me at 16 if that's what was going on. Speaking of that party in the cabin, I think we got our first look at uh, Nick Cage butt naked. I, I couldn't tell under the mass of people. Like, I didn't know if it was Nick Cage's butt cheek. I didn't know who was coming or going. I don't know if Chris Penn was in there. Love Chris Penn, too. It's nice seeing him. Pre, Pre-Reservoir Dogs. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen Best of the Best? No. Okay, it's a terrible karate movie where he's kind of an anti-Semitic, fat karate guy in a tournament who hates all Asian people. It's incredible. Okay. <laughs> it's terrible. 
Yeah, Eric Roberts is in it, and James Earl Jones is the coach, the national coach, and he yells at everyone the entire time. It's incredible. You got to see it. But I, like I said, we're, we're moving around because I think this is the first time I've seen a black and white movie since I can't remember the last time. Do you have a black and white memory? Maybe American History X, I guess? Um, there's just one movie called Nebraska that I watch. It's in black and white. Oh, yeah. I heard that was good. Will Forte, right? Yep, exactly. Was it any good? It was. I liked it. Cool. Drama, drama family drama. So, uh, fact, so yeah, this you, is the first time we actually mentioned is in black and white, but there are two little instances of color. Yeah, the rumblefish, the uh, the sam- fighting samurai fish, right? Any any symbolism with those fish? I think he that the motorcycle boy, Mike Mickey Rourke's character, was just interested in a life that went beyond kind of fighting and scrapping and doing the same things and having history repeat itself. I think he wanted to change the f- his future. And I think he saw through those fish that in their nature, they were going to attack each other forever. You know, like they see them, themselves in the mirror and they'll smash until they die. He's like, I don't want to go with my nature. I kind of want to learn a new way to live. So almost those piranha fish are those teenagers. Yeah. Fight that, each other. Like the, it says one, one of the fish is red, the other is blue, kind of like the gang just fighting each other. Yeah. And I heard too, they made him red and blue because like, American culture and growing up as an American kid, it's always like one person has to win and one person has to lose. Sure. So, you know, kind of capitalism kind of vibes. I mean, I'm sure Coppola, you know, thought about, I'm, I'm sure if you talk to him about this movie, there's like seven or eight layers of it that we don't understand. Deep symbolism that it's going to go way beyond me. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a bummer when you're watching a movie and you're like, I don't really understand what you're trying to say. So can I read you a little excerpt from Wikipedia? Go for it. So the film is notable for its avant-garde style with its film noir feel. Feel. Shot dark, high-contrast, black-and-white film using a spherical cinematographic process with allusions to French New Wave cinema and German Expressionism. Yeah, I heard, like, the 19... I definitely obviously didn't go to film school, but this is stuff way beyond me. <laughs> yeah, like the 1924 movie, The Man Who Laughs, who Heath Ledger based his performance on in the, in the Dark Knight. They based this movie kind of on that, too, I guess, where he made the uh, actors watch it. So, yeah, it, it's a little bit kind of snooty. But the problem is, even though it's trying to be high-minded, artsy-fartsy, it's so on the nose. Like, you know what they're doing the entire time, which is a weird contrast if you're going to be a deep movie. Do you feel I, that? Yeah, and I, I think Coppola made this movie only because he could. I don't think he really cares if people get it, understand it, like it, hate it. Yeah, I he says it's it, one of his top five favorite films of his own. Yeah, exactly. So, I, he's, a strange, he has, he's a strange guy. To it. What are your, what's your favorite Coppola movie? Apocalypse Now, by far. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's, I saw that at, you know, in high school, young, loved it ever since. I like The Rainmaker. That's good, too. Yeah, kind of a nice, nice little Danny DeVito doing the right thing stuff. And, you know, young Matt Damon. Matt Damon, right. Yeah. You know, Matt Damon is a lawyer. You know, give me that all day. I need to see The Firm. I haven't seen that. I hear that's fantastic. Tom Cruise. But, yeah, so this movie, if you watch The Outsiders, you'll get the same vibe where you're like, this should have been something I loved. But I think sometimes you can have too big a cast where it's like the star power you think is going to push it forward, but it doesn't. It's not the engine. You need a good script and you need, I, I can't remember any like quotable lines and there's no, who's the most likable guy in this movie? Like, who do you root for? Who are you rooting for in this movie? Oh, Rusty James. Are you? Yeah. 
I don't know. He's doped out the second half of it, right? Uh, he was. Uh, well, and he got, he was he was pretty badly injured. <laughs> yeah, but for like no reason, he starts doping out, right? Like he kind of seemed somewhat put together in the beginning, and then his brother comes back, and he just falls into old patterns. It seems like. Well, he's just trying to be like his brother, and he knows he can't. Yeah, and. I kind of like that he went to California in the end, that his brother never saw the ocean. You know, L.A. got yeah, in the way. What, take, take the river to the ocean? Yeah. So that was kind of nice, I guess. I mean, it was a nice shot. Just, I feel confused. I feel like we're two reasonably intelligent young men, and we're like, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, this feel- is one of the first where I, I wouldn't say I don't recommend it, but it's just, it was a weird movie. I, I, so I told you that uh, my wife and I, we watch these Nick Cage movies for this podcast. This is kind of like our Saturday, Sunday evening thing that we do together. Yeah. And after the end of the movie, she got up and said, so I think I just wasted my Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now we, now we get at like parties and conversations. We can sound deep and intelligent and, you know, beyond, we can make ourselves look important. Somewhat important. No, very important. A black and white Francis Ford Coppola movie about American angst in the teenage world. You can definitely have a scotch and, you know, feel like you're better than someone while saying that. So I don't get that this only did two and a half million in the box office while Outsiders did 33 million. It's the same budget, same, you know, high level cast members. The Outsiders is not artsy in this way. It's more of a basic, you know, well, first of all, it's full in color. So I think that <laughs> increases your audience by 700%. And that one doesn't feel like a play. That feels like an actual movie that just doesn't hit the way it should, but like, at least you can feel for the characters and get, Matt Dillon in that movie is fantastic. Matt Dillon steals the show in that whole, in that movie too. Yeah, I gotta watch it now. How do you feel about Dillon in general? You a Matt Dillon guy? So <laughs> I don't know him from much other than his, you know, mid nineties movies, late nineties. Mm-hmm. To die for? Is that mm-hmm. what you said? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wild things. <laughs> yep. Wild <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's what I meant. Wild things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's into to, to die for, too. Actually, wow, that was a weird Freudian slip. But uh, if you want to see the best Matt, Damon, Matt Dillon there is, there's a movie called Drugstore Cowboy, uh, 1989. It's Gus Van Sant, who also did Goodwill Hunting. It's about junkies in Oregon in like the late 70s. And it's him. Kelly Lynch and Heather Graham, and it's fantastic. Drugstore Cowboy. Yeah, like like the best version of like drug grifter kind of movies that are normally depressing, but this one actually kind of is intelligent and really, really just feels realistic and beautiful. It's really interesting. What'd you make of the sound in uh, Rumblefish right in the beginning? Kind of like synthetic. Yeah, it felt like weird. Very eerie sound. Most of the movie. Yeah, and also how did they make the motorcycle flip like that? Remember when the motorcycle boy like lets his motorcycle go and does like a triple cow tow into that guy? <laughs> into Biff? Yeah. Is that Biff? Is that his name? His name was Biff, yeah. <laughs> wow. I wonder Wilson, I think. I wonder if Back to the Future stole Biff as like a bad character greaser character from that. Possible. Yeah, you never know. Biff so, Biffle. <laughs> um, and finally, let's talk about Nick Cage. I think when he's when he has Patty at the end and he's just saying like I'm going to be the gang leader. I'm smart. You're not, you know, I can lead people and you can't. I thought that was a pretty good speech. Yeah. I didn't see it coming. Yeah. Really really didn't see Nick Cage coming in, swooping in like that. And do you think he's the new leader of the motorcycle club or motorcycle gang? I think so. I mean, he kind of gained confidence. I think as Rusty James kind of spiraled downwards, he's like, well, someone's got to lead and it's going to be me, I guess. Smokey. Yeah. Great hair. He's got a great like pompadour going. (laughs) It's way better than 
Bill Furpo or whatever it was. <laughs> Dave Furpo. Oh my God. Yeah. Don't, don't forget about that. I've forgotten that movie. I've erased it from my, <laughs> so now here's a question for you. Do you want to keep going Nick Cage or do you want to switch to just random movies or do you want to keep the Nick Cage-ness going? I was going to ask you too, where do we go from here? Do we stick with your 80s binge um, so you can kind of knock out a couple of birds with one stone or do something else? So here's, are you, are you psyched about that or do you want to do something more modern? This is, this is max volume. It's, you can turn it to another level. Okay, so I, I had some suggestions. I saw Peggy Sue Got Married. That's a Nick Cage one from the 80s. I've never seen Manhunter or Thief. Those are Michael Mann movies from the 80s that basically like predated like psycho serial killer movies and Heat. So it's like those were like the bit, the stepping stones for Michael Mann to really become who he was in the 90s. I thought that'd be kind of cool. Uh, Three Amigos just to be goofy. The Money Pit to see Tom Hanks. Or The Cotton Club if we want to go weird Francis Ford Coppola. But I think we both got a bad taste in our mouth. I think we should take a break from Coppola. Yep. <laughs> you want to do a Michael Mann? I kind of want to. Thief or Manhunter? Yeah. So what do you what do you want to do? Wait, hang on. Before I even look it up, which is one of them with um, James Con. James Con is that? Yeah, they're both thief. thief. You want to do Thief? Let's do Thief. Cool. Yeah. I'm excited. I've heard nothing but good things about Thief. Everyone's like, cool. It's gonna be fun. Well, actually, they wouldn't know that because we're not doing a podcast yet. Sorry. <laughs> uh, for all our four listeners out there, I apologize. So. Was, yeah yeah whatever andrew's mom counts as three people sure <laughs> okay well this was actually fun to talk about i'm glad this was this was rough i mean right before we even got on i i, I told you this was a rough watch um it, it was hard to, to actually sit down and pay attention to this but i'm glad i watched it yeah glad we got through another nick cage performance diamonds come from pressure and time andrew you know sometimes In, some of the worst things make the best art it holds a 7.5 on imbd does it? Yeah. Roger Roger Ebert gave a three and a half. He did, but you know he knows movies. Like he can look at the subtext way more than I can. I think you know it's funny. I think I'm a good movie watcher, but I can't ever get past what's right in front of me on the screen when I'm watching. I'm not like, what does this mean, or what does that lighting mean, or why are they playing this music? I'm just like, I'm watching a movie. <laughs> it would like, not would not do well in film class. <laughs> no. See, I've always dreamed about doing something in entertainment, but I'm I'm not second third level. I can't. I can't do multiple things at once. I can hardly do one thing at once. So <laughs> here we are, me and you. T- but I wouldn't have any other way. Me and you kind of <laughs> like uh, Mark Wahlberg and Ted the Bear, just, you know, on the couch, just kind of making fun of stuff. <laughs> right? Well, I'm, exi- I'm excited. I'm excited now. Um, we're stepping away from Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Um, so no more, no, more, no more Cage Match Mondays. Yeah, it's time. You know, I think we've done seven or eight or nine or however many. We need to grow. This is a I've podcast. Never, never even got to National Treasure or National Treasure Two. Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider Two. Oh, Ghost Rider's so bad. <laughs> you seen Ghost Rider? <laughs> the first one. I've never seen the second one. Yeah, it's that's that's the beauty of Nick Cage. I think that's what we're missing is that he can be so bad and yet he can be so good. Like, is he just he has a switch and sometimes it's just not on when he when he want, when he wants to act. It's incredible. Hey, hey Max, how does Nick Cage answer his phone? I'll do it. Hi, I'll do your movie. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, ending on a high note. All right, Andrew, thank you so much. <laughs> Max, thank you. I'll see you later. 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 Bye.